Hey, this is Anna Horford, host of the Horford Happy Hour podcast, sister to NBA all-star Al Horford, and you are listening to the Triple Overtime podcast. From tip-off to buzzer beater. Kick-off to Hail Mary. This is Triple Overtime. Welcome back to Triple Overtime, everybody. It's your host, Tiago, alongside Cliff. What up, what up? Tony is on vacation. He couldn't He couldn't be here today for this wonderful <laughs> interview, uh, unfortunately. But uh, we have uh, our special guest with us today, um, the wonderful Miss Anna Horford. Um, how are you doing? Great. Yeah, I'm doing really well. I'm excited to uh, talk to you guys today. Well, thank you. We we appreciate you jumping on with us, taking time out of your schedule. You know, on Triple Overtime, we we are predominantly a sports-centered, you know, podcast or show, you know, with different discussions. We like to talk a little bit more than just sports, hashtag more than an athlete. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so I, I we, we wanted to talk to you because as a woman in sports, as the sister to NBA star Al Horford, you would have a really interesting perspective, um, which we've heard on your podcast as well, the Horford Happy Hour. So we're really excited to get into that. So, but before we even get into all that, it, it, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't even address the, uh, the the state of where we are, just as 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 a country, as a nation, as a world. So I want to make sure first and foremost, how are you doing? Your family, um, pandemic things of that nature. Is that, is everyone doing okay? Yeah. So luckily everyone is safe and healthy in the Horford fam. So we are very grateful for that. Grateful every single day for that, but it has been a difficult time. You know, it's been tough, um, mentally speaking, emotionally speaking, and you know, 2020 has just tested us time and time again. (laughs) And it's just, it's just so relentless. And so, yeah, it's all about just taking it one day at a time. But luckily, we are all safe and we are all healthy as well. So awesome. That's all. That is amazing. Glad to hear awesome. it. Good, good. Awesome. Happy to hear that. Um, so, again, we, we kind of wanted to touch base in, in um, you know, you are a uh, podcaster, a member of this uh, awesome community of great stories and, and great interactions. You, uh, the title of your podcast is The Horford Happy Hour. Tell our, our listeners a little bit about what it's about and, and why did you decide to start your own podcast? Yeah, so Horford Happy Hour started a few years ago. I think it was 2017 when it first launched. And I was approached by the CLNS Media Network in Boston. And that was really when our family's popularity in Boston had been growing. And, you know, Al was with the Celtics and they really enjoyed, you know, um, my commentary on Twitter, the fans, because if you know Boston fans, you know, they're, they're loud, they're outspoken, they're rowdy. Yes, yes. Um, so my siblings and I kind of bonded with weird Celtics Twitter, as we call it. And, <laughs> um, you know, they were like, this network approached me right before I was going to launch my own podcast. And they were like, you have to join our network. We'll let you talk about whatever you want. Just come do this with us. I think it would be amazing. So it was like really a match made in hell in heaven. Um, and it, and it really worked out really well. And so it's basically me just talking and drinking every week, um, a different (laughs) wine or champagne, um, that I can recommend to listeners because who doesn't like love just kicking back and like having a drink and talking about just 
whatever you want. So we talk about everything from sports to social issues to sex, relationships, politics, you name it. So I pretty much have free reign um, at my network, which I love. And um, yeah, it's it's going really well. I'm doing a five-part miniseries right now on taboo topics. I have an episode about sex coming out this week. So nothing's really off limits. I'm really, really excited about that. Okay. That's amazing. Um, I hope you don't mind me veering off a little bit and asking a question about the the Boston fans and the media. I went to college in Boston for four years, so I, I'm in complete love with that city. Uh, nice. what, was that experience, what was that experience like for you and your family being there? Like, I'm sure it was amazing, but any any special or moments that stick out? I mean, being in Boston, like if you've gone to a game in the garden, you know it's just electric. Every seat is taken. The fans are on their feet. They're rowdy. They're yelling in their obnoxious but amazing Bostonian accents. <laughs> Um, and so it's just, it's a good time. It is like what you want basketball to be. It's the atmosphere you want to be in. It feels like, you know, regular games feel like playoff games. And so, so it was really special. And, um, yeah, our family, we, we fell in love with Boston. It's a great city. Awesome. Awesome. No, it sounds great. Now, again, don't want to disrespect Atlanta though, because that's where Al was for quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about uh, Atlanta and that atmosphere? Kind of different, not the same. Oh my gosh, you could not like pick two more opposite fan bases. So <laughs> I love like the Hawks organization for how kind they were to our family and for you know the love that they gave Al over the years because. He was their franchise player for a long time. He was their cornerstone. Um, and, you know, the Hawks were very, like, we were very comfortable there. The only difference is just the fan bases. I mean, Atlanta, If I don't know if you guys have, have been to games yeah. at Phillips Arena, but it, it, they can be pretty quiet, you know? <laughs> they can be pretty lackluster. And... Mm -hmm. It was so hard, I think, to go as a family member who, like, our family, you know, we're we're Dominican, we're loud, we will <laughs> scream. Like, for for us to be in a, an arena where people, like, weren't, you know, constantly on their feet or, like, into the game. Right. Um, it, was, it was tough. And even when they were doing well, I mean, there was that 61 season and yeah. that year that we had, you know, like, I think it was, it was four or five all-stars. Like all from like the Hawks, you yeah, know. Yeah, I think four, yeah, um, we four all stars. One, or like the whole East. Yeah, number one <laughs> in the East. Like and like, Phillips still wasn't filled with fans. That's crazy. You know, like it was. It was just a different experience. And I and I don't want to like on Atlanta or anything because right. it's a great city. It's a great organization. Um, but I think that it's it. They just have so much growing to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. And I feel like that might, I mean, Atlanta is a much different city than Boston and by, by all means. Um, sure. Mm -hmm. It might, that might have a lot to do with it too. There's a lot of, there's a lot of activities going on in Atlanta compared to the Northeast in the wintertime. So I can, True. I can kind of understand that, but I can see where you're coming <laughs> from. I would hope that hopefully with uh, their, their additions now with Trey Young and hopefully they, they continue to build because Atlanta is such a, it's an amazing city. Like I, I, I wish it was hop in like Boston in the, in the sports atmosphere. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I think, it, I, well, I think too with the Falcons and I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. You know, like you said, there's a lot of activities out yeah, that it's, way. It's Atlanta, bro. It's Atlanta. Yeah, there's a lot to do in Atlanta. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to do. 
It's a good time. Magic um, City, two words. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just kidding. No, no, no. Uh, but I, I kind of want to jump in, um, just switch gears a little bit and head back into your podcast because you were, like you said, you talk about a lot of things on your podcast. And as I was going through and listening to a couple of episodes, you had an episode that was entitled "Sexism, Sports, and Social Media," and in that episode. You guys were basically talking about the dynamic between women in sports and in sports media and then the way that social media has an impact on athletes today and basically pretty much the way that we view sports. Um, As someone who I would say is probably... uh, um, I'd, I'd say you're no stranger to NBA Twitter. You, you, that's your, that's you're, you're part of that. That's home. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, how do you feel that dynamic is with with both athletes and with, uh, by extension, their families? Is it a dynamic that is acceptable in terms of the way that th- those interactions occur? I think it's really tough as far as like accessibility goes. So, trolls and fans nowadays have access to players and their family members at like the click of a button you can find you know you can find us there aren't many horfords in the world it's a very uncommon last name so you search that name my name's going to come up Um, my brother john who played professionally his name's going to come up my dad who played professionally his name's going to come up um so we're very accessible and that's a good and bad thing i think with me being vocal on social media, I pretty much know what I'm getting myself into with backlash and with people tweeting and hating. And, you know, a lot of people love as well. Like we get a lot of love and support from the Boston fan base still. Um, not so much from Philly. <laughs> um, I'm sure that you guys will want to touch on that at some point, which is fine. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's, um, it's a process it's give and take, but, uh, you know, like I said, we, we are, we are accessible. And I think that that kind of has people like feeling entitled, um, whether that's to the athlete, you know, in question or like, I don't know, just the inner workings of, of who I am or who my siblings are as people. Um, it's a tough dynamic to figure out for sure. And how do you, or how would you say, I don't know, everybody has their own way of doing it, but um, you made a great point. The accessibility is definitely, I don't want to call it an issue, but it's definitely, it's a thing uh, that most athletes are going to have to deal with, whatever, regardless of sport and the film members as well. What do you do? for the trolls, the hate, like what is, what is, what's your go-to? So my big thing, like I am known for clapping back and like doing it very well. Um, and you know, people, (laughs) (laughs) right. Um, people picked up on that really quickly. And, um, so this is what I get from it. Um, when I call someone out, first of all, it exposes their hatred. It exposes (laughs) their tweet so they either end up deleting it, going it, going on private, or um, their account gets suspended or deleted, depending yeah. on the content. Um, everything I do, I do with a purpose. And everything I do, I do 
in retaliation of someone coming at me first. So I never like go out and try to like find someone to like troll or like hate on or whatever, like basically Mm. what they do to me. Um, And so, so yeah, that's like the goal. And then with Philly, especially because that's like a hot topic right now, I, in the first like hour, no, not even like the first 10 minutes of Al getting traded, I had like hundreds of tweets, like you're a whore. We hate you. We hate your family. Go kill yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I screenshot these because if I don't, people don't believe how bad it gets and people don't because you don't see the thousands of notifications I get, you know, and like a lot of it, I block out. I turn on my quality filter a lot of the time, but you know, I want people to know that this is what, you know, Twitter trolls look like, and this is what they say and this is what they do. And like they, to wish like death or ill will upon like me or my family over a rubber ball that goes into a metal hoop. Like you have to reevaluate yourself and your morals at that point, I think. But yeah, so, so everything I do, I do with a purpose and it's, it's to call these people out and to, to put them in their place, really. Yeah. And I, I knew the answer to that question. I've followed you on Twitter. So (laughs) I was kind of, I was want to hear how you're going to put it together. But no, and and yes, we respect you for for clapping back at the fans because people, social media has created this this shield for some people that they think they can kind of just say whatever they want to whoever, without any consequences, yeah. and and that's not fair. It's not right. right. And I think like Ice T or someone like tweeted today, like like these mother are tweeting at me like horrible stuff, and then I'm the bully for like clapping for responding, back at yeah. them. Like come on, and that's how I feel constantly. People are like. That was really mean. And I was like, but him telling me to go hang myself wasn't mean. What are you talking about? You know, so it, it is it is complicated. So what what's what's that exposure like? Because, you know, it's like, let's say, you know, like Cliff isn't a huge Sixers fan either. <laughs> and he's been pretty vocal about that on, on our show. But if Cliff goes on Twitter and says, hey, the Sixers are trash and you need to trade Ben Simmons or, or Joel Embiid, right? Life goes on. People agree, people mm-hmm. disagree. You go on Twitter and say the Sixers are trash. There's going to be an article in the New York Post. So how do you deal with that kind of exposure? Do you, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's really tricky. So sometimes like you guys have no idea how much I hold my tongue. Like it probably doesn't seem like it, but I respond to one out of maybe a few hundred people you know, like a lot of the time. And I try to choose my battles carefully. Sometimes I get annoyed and I lash out. And then like within minutes, the tweet blows up. So even if I were like, oh, I messed up, um, I should delete that. It's already been screenshot. And, yes. you know, it's already the on internet. the internet. Is- yeah, <laughs> it's already on the internet. And, yeah. you know, at this point, my biggest thing is like, mom and dad are going to see it. Like, and they'll probably be like, <laughs> You know, I, I, I've said this before, but they'll be like, there she goes again, you know, but, um, so, so yeah, no, it's, it's, but here's the thing, like, I'm just being honest and I'm like airing my true opinion and like, I can't fault myself for that. Like I, I, if I feel like someone said something unfair or something that's out of bounds, like I can't just sit by and like, let that slide. So So I don't know, even if it does end up in the New York Post or Complex or whatever, like 
at least I said my piece and at least like I got my mm-hmm. message out there. Exactly. It's just like, I mean, we see with uh, Kevin Durant, like Kevin Durant will be on Twitter all the time and people just, you know, they, they type, they just speak to you however they feel. And yeah. then he lashes like out they and they're like, oh, wow. They'll never say it to his face. They'll you know, never say they would to his say, face. They'd say, can you please sign my t-shirt? Can you please, <laughs> you know, take a selfie with me? Like, and then mm-hmm. they'll go online and be like, your mom's ugly. Like, we hate you. And like, uh, but like at the same time, beg for your autograph if they were to ever run into you. See, Ka- is Ka- Katie's a little era. different though. Katie's a little different because Anna's going to put her name on her tweets. Like Katie's going to. Oh, no, I'm saying I'm using that as an example now because he's not using a burner currently. He's actually responding. Like people, people will call him out his name all the time and he'll respond and then they'll be like, oh, wow, like you're so sensitive. Why are you? It's like, dude, like I'm getting 100 messages a day where you call me out my name. Like, as a man, yeah. I'm going to respond. Like this is crazy. Yeah. As true. an athlete, though, I don't understand how he, for his own, like, mental health goes and checks social media as much as he does. Like Al, for example, is not on social media. Like he has social media accounts, but it's basically to post about like the team or his kids or like whatever. He does not check social media. He does not read that because if you do, it gets so heavy. It will eat you alive from the inside. And I think people should like, obviously like people found Katie out. Like they found out he had burner accounts, but at the same time, like what in his mind drove him to that point? You have to think about that because if I'm getting hundreds or thousands of messages, imagine someone who's actually famous or who's actually a superstar. Imagine what he's going through, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so you do have to kind of try to put yourself in, in other people's shoes as well. In that perspective. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. I do want to touch on that a little bit more because we've seen that as of late happen actually uh, during the NBA Finals, right? Danny Green, uh, who is ironically yeah. going to Philly, which, yeah, that's that's going yes. to be interesting. But um, he received death threats. His wife received death threats, uh, people in his family. Because um, he couldn't make a jump shot. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean no. It's like it's it's like it's ridiculous when you when you say it out loud. Like it, from people who are sitting at home on their couches. You know what I mean? Like it's not even from like fellow athletes. It's from people who could never do what he's doing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's and it's because they know better. You know, because it, it, people who have played this sport at at any level, actually, at any level, whether it's AAU or or high school or what, like they understand how difficult that is how difficult any of these skills are and, and even just even if you have it though just to have the the decency of being a human being but i, I think like what cliff said is that the, it turns into the shield and, and you feel that you know you're untouchable right exactly what is he gonna do respond that's how <laughs> right, they feel right it's, exactly it's, it's really sad but that's how it is and, and just touching base with that too because i i remember actually i i read an article on that and the person who wrote the article and i and i don't remember exactly but the argument that they were making or the the food for thought, I should say, they were basically stating that, you know, yes, like death threats are going to happen. Yes. um, These are the kind of messages that athletes and their families are going to receive. Is there a level of, of fairness, I, I guess, is that what's supposed to be expected or allowed due to the fame and the perks that come with being in that position of prominence? Is it something that should even, is is that fair to even say something like that? Like, hey, it comes with the territory. 
I mean, it does come with the territory and I think you have to recognize that. But at the same time, it's not like I'm hitting up Jennifer Aniston or Brad Pitt and I'm like, you bombed this movie. You're a piece of (laughs) go kill yourself. I hate you. If they have a bad movie that comes out, like I would never think to randomly tweet or message someone I do not know and say that they should go kill themselves or someone said you know you and your brother should drown in a river or i hope your plane runs out of fuel on the way to oklahoma city like like i would never just randomly go at mm. someone like that so i think that's more of a reflection of these miserable people and like what society has bred so like yeah sure if you want to say my family you know, we should expect that to a certain point. That's fine. But there's a line and people often cross it and that's not okay. Yes. I yes. think you mentioned that what what you just said there was really important. I think you said societal norm. And I think that it's the way that people view athletes and their families. Because you said, should I come at a person like that? I don't think fans view you, Al, anybody in that. I don't think they view you as people. Which sounds crazy, but I don't think that's how... Like, for example, remember that um, situation Russell Westbrook had in Utah, right? Where this dude was just going at him to the point where he got banned. I'm glad he got banned (laughs) because that thing was crazy. But he was saying all kinds of stuff to him, get on your knees, whatever whatever Russ said, right? And I know people were saying, oh, I don't know if Russ said, well, Russ is a hothead. No, I mean, if Russ gets mad, I think it's because somebody actually, you know, I think somebody tried him. But yeah, I, I think that with that situation, these fans, and Utah's notorious for that kind of behavior, they don't view athletes as as people per se. I think they view them as... Just entertainment, really. Yeah, it's entertainers. Right. Yeah. It's just like anybody else you would see on TV all the time. Right. Right? Which is crazy. We should definitely be working to change that, but that's... Yeah. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I think it's an interesting question. I think I think that's... I don't know. Twitter Twitter and social media has really gone to a to a new point. I don't know if it'll ever be the same. Um I don't know if society will change or we'll move past that, but either way, keep doing what you're doing. You're a great you're a great follow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Will do. I try. I'm gonna put your I'm gonna put your quotes and like hang them up. Like especially this one. Uh, you said you said what did you say? You said they are the most miserable fans in the world. <laughs> was that was that it? Verbatim? I think it, I said in the NBA. In the NBA. There we go. But yeah, I had the it. receipts. I didn't just tweet. <laughs> I didn't just tweet the statement because I knew if I just tweeted the statement as is, people would be like, you know what? That's a little harsh. Right. But for me to like have all of the horrible comments pinned with that tweet, then people are like, oh yeah, no, they're they're pretty, uh, they're pretty mm. crazy. Yeah. Sure. Now, as someone who has grown up in that area, and I have a lot of friends who are Eagles and Sixers and Phillies fans, <laughs> I'm I'm 100 with you. <laughs> Philly's different. <laughs> Philly Philly is is very different. It's They're very so different. angry and all they, the time. They, I swear they hate their own players, and it's like, what kind of atmosphere is that even? <laughs> like, this is just it's a breeding ground for negativity. And players will resent you for that. I don't know what your fans or what Philly fans don't understand about that. Players will resent you for that. Not just talking my brother. I'm talking players in general. Because they've 
booed Embiid, they've booed Simmons, you know, I've, everyone's gotten it. It's not just Al, but like, come on, you gotta, you gotta show some positivity. You've got to show some support. <laughs> yeah. City of brotherly love, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who came up with that? <laughs> They were high. <laughs> they boo Kobe. They boo Kobe. He's from there. You know, like that's crazy. How dare you? <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying. Um, what kind of uh, pivoting in, in kind of a different direction? Um, we've had some really great people on the show. We, we had the pleasure of having uh, Christine Williamson from ESPN on our show. And um, she had some really, really awesome stuff to say about women and the role of women in sports. Um, all the way from the WNBA to the NFL, we continue to see strides being made. Actually, as of recording this, this past in, in the uh, college football game, right? First female yes. to play in the FBS officially. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, I saw that. Right. So a lot of a lot of big strides. Um, so I kind of want to ask you, as a woman and someone in, you know, a, a heavily male-dominated industry, do you feel that? it's trending in the right direction? Is there still room to grow? Where, where do we stand with that? Yeah, so I would say, like, just trying to keep it on a positive note, the number one thing that I've really noticed that's, like, changed over the years are male allies stepping up to support women and to have women's backs and to call out men, um, to call out the bar stool you know, dickheads, um, of the world (laughs) to, to have women's backs that, you know, is happening. And that is just that solidarity. Like it means so much because it's one thing for a woman to stand up for a man, but for men to stand behind women, you know, that's how we're going to create positive change. It can't just be women. We need, we need our allies. So I think that we are moving in a good direction. I think that women aren't going anywhere. So those men who aren't cool with it, um, you know, maybe just get out of the way. (laughs) Um, (laughs) If you're, you know, if you're not, if you're not cool with women being a part of the conversation or, or being a part of, you know, the culture, then I think the culture is outgrowing you and you should probably crawl back into whatever hole um, you came from. Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of good that's, that's come out of the past few years with women in sports. And I think people are making really big strides and especially with people like Kobe before he passed who like, um, I've met Kobe. He's the sweetest guy in the entire world. And like, it broke my heart when he, um, when he and Gianna passed away, but like, he was always so encouraging and he was just always at the forefront of like equality for women in sports and like being a girl dad and being really proud and like having allies like that. And, you know, young guys see that and that's something they can look up to. That's something they can be excited about when they have daughters and they can kind of perpetuate that. It's Mm -hmm. so important for the culture. So yeah, I think, I think that, there have been a lot of a lot of positive strides for sure. Yeah, and there was a something that kind of happened probably in the last week or so. Uh, I'm curious to see how you feel about this. There was, um, <laughs> of course, on Twitter, uh, there was a female reporter 
Um, I want to say she's based out of Miami or she works with the Miami Heat and she reports. Uh, and she had, she was, you know, um, she tweeted about a rumor about them getting whatever said free agent. And apparently the deal didn't go through. However it happens, you know, sources are all over the place. And I mean, Twitter, we like went at her because mm-hmm. her source, but it's not like it's her fault. Like if whatever the source reports is whatever she's going to present. Like she trusts the source. And it's the same thing with, with, this, with the guys in the industry. They have a source. It gets reported. If the deal falls through, I have no control over that. And right. they went at her so crazy. They called her like, you lying whore, this, that. And I'm like, God, like, like there's guys in the industry who do this <laughs> daily. Shams ain't always yeah. right. And they don't, and they don't get know? anything for it. And yet she didn't make a mistake. She literally reported what her source was telling her. Yeah. And because it's incorrect or something happened behind the scenes out of her control, she's all, she's a lying whore now. She can't, she shouldn't be in sports. You should be in the kitchen. I was like, it's I'm terrible. thinking that it's more, it's like I, how I many guys more of the fans. Yeah. Exactly. I think it's more like of the fans than the guys in the industry. <laughs> how many male reporters, you know, report the wrong, um, like report the day. wrong trades or, or whatever. Yeah. It happens every day, every but day. because one woman did it, it's going to shine a negative light on you know all women in sports it's it's kind of this sounds horrible it's kind of like when a person of color commits a crime and we all go like we're all like god damn it because now all of us are going to be villainized like they just mess it up for everyone it's the same with women if if a woman messes up in a male dominated environment it's going to reflect poorly on all women and that's just Mm -hmm. the way society is and that's what we need to change for sure. I, I agree with you 100% on that. Couldn't agree more. Um, hopefully the representation of women in sports, hopefully that is helping towards that direction, you know, and, um, you know, like seeing Doris Burke, like all the time, you know, like she's a hero, like seriously, <laughs> you know, seeing her, um, you know, doing what she does and, and she's great at what she does. Oh, incredible. Incredible. Um, you know, and, and female reporters too. And, you know, you, you got Jackie McMullen and Jamel Hill before she left ESPN, which uh, she has a great podcast too. And um, just excellent reporting overall. But I, you know, like I miss watching Jamel Hill, like on ESPN. I do. <laughs> she was great. It's good to get a different perspective. That's how you, oh, yeah. that's how you learn. That's mm-hmm. how you grow. That's how you shape, you know, new, new ways of thinking is like, you, you've got to, you've got to have variety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure, for sure. And uh, another question too, like on that front with the the women on media that we see actually on TV. Um, I don't know. I've noticed this, but um, we'll see. Maybe I'm off base here. But a lot of the women that I, I'm seeing now are more so in a in a in a host role instead. Of, I remember when I was watching Jamel. Of course, she was a co-host, but the show was a lot more fifty fifty. And I feel like a lot of the women now who are portrayed on ESPN, whether they be reporting or I don't know, first take, whatever the case may be. It's like they kind of like they're like they're like as a, as a host. Do mm. you think we can see an advancement on that? Because there's a lot of women who know multiple sports very well. They know the game. There's women that are coaching in the NFL now. There's Becky Hammond who potentially might be coaching in the NBA very soon. So, like, do you think that there could be a shift in that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's I think there's room for improvement and room for more women on like every single front imaginable. Um, and to think honestly like that it's 2020 and (laughs) we're still like having these 
debates yeah. about gender and if like women know, you know, if women know sports and stuff like I was dribbling a basketball at one and a half years old, like, you know, you're, you're not going to like sit down and be like, I know more about basketball than you do just because I have a pair of tits, you know, like it's very, very frustrating. And, and I do think that there is, yeah, there's a lot of room for growth for sure. Good. Awesome. Couldn't agree more. Happy to hear that. And hopefully, you know, as the years go by, it continues to trend in the right direction. Um, so as a woman in sports, we're going to ask you some sports questions. <laughs> uh, I feel like we should head in that direction. Um, and uh, kind of wanted to talk uh, a little bit about actually this, this recent trade, obviously, with your brother, you know, heading over into OKC. Obviously, the team is in a different place. The dynamic is is different in Oklahoma City. Um, what I, I guess, why do, you feel, why do you feel maybe that things did not work out in Philly? without because i mean it's not like it's not like it was his game per se i just what 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 do you think yeah so with alan philly the biggest thing was i don't know i mean i'm sure you guys watched the playoffs the past few years when al was in boston boston and philly went head to head you know season after season boston would always find a way to win al was a major part of that he was one of the few guys in the nba who could contain Embiid. Um, he could help with Simmons and he was a major threat to Philly. So their biggest thing was let's take away this piece for Boston. Let's hinder them. Um, you know, this team who we can't seem to get past in the playoffs. Let's, let's take this guy from them. That was their ultimate goal. Philly fans were so excited when Al signed because they were like, ha ha Boston in your face. You know, we got Al. Um, he can't be used against us anymore. And, you know, we're gonna we're gonna walk all over you. Al gets there. Not only is this season unprecedented because of the pandemic, but Al just wasn't a great fit necessarily with the coaching style um and with the, you know, with the roster the way that it was like as is. Um, and especially when Ben went down, like the team really struggled, but sometimes you're just not a good fit. Sometimes the chemistry just isn't there. It doesn't matter how talented you are. You could be the most talented player in the world, but if you don't have chemistry with your teammates or your coaches or the environment or whatever, it's just not going to work out for whatever reason. And I think that that was the issue in Philly and he just, he couldn't find a rhythm and, you know, the team couldn't find a rhythm and Al, because of his contract, you know, he was the easiest person to pin 90% of the blame on. And I'm not saying that Al played to his full potential because I don't think he did. Um, but I also think that was a product of his environment um, because you can't go from Al Horford and the Celtics are killing us. What, what do we do about this? let's take him away. Cause he's so good to like, Oh, he's a trash player. We hate him. He was never, he was never anything. He was never good, you know, like, and that's pretty much the flip flop that a lot of Philly fans did, which was really frustrating. Cause we were like, you know what he's capable of, you know, what kind of player he is. You're, you're not in the NBA for as long as he is. And you don't make as much money as he does. If you're not good at what you do, bottom line, like you just don't, they're not just throwing out max contracts to, 
to players who, who don't deserve it. So I think a lot of Philly fans lost sight of that and they didn't realize, well, maybe it just was a coaching issue or maybe, you know, the chemistry just wasn't there. Um, so, so yeah, that was like, that was a really, really big part of it. Well, and I'm going to be the first to tell you, I have been on front lines telling the world that the Sixers team, that roster was built with a blindfold for the entire season, (laughs) the entire season. I'm so sorry. Your brother had to go through that. It was a train so wreck, and people who know the game could recognize it immediately. But the casual fan, the casual fan, just did not get it. They were like, "Shouldn't we be better?" Um, yeah, it's yeah, very frustrating. They don't understand that Elton Brand is playing 2K as a GM. Like, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I feel like the the Sixers branch to solve their problems it was just throw money at it and let's just see what mm-hmm. happens. And that's not how you win championships in the NBA. But anyways, on a brighter note, I'm curious to see how you how are you feeling about the OKC move? Because I, I actually like their roster and I think that Al actually compliments them a whole lot better than Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you guys were to ask any coach in the NBA what they think of Al, and I'm not just saying this because I'm his sister, um, they'd be like, he's a seasoned vet. He knows what he's doing. He has a great head, head on his shoulders. Um, he's a great mentor for the young guys. He's a huge asset. Um, and I think that he's going to really help the young guys in OKC. Um, we, I kind of like, obviously I can say it now. Like we, we kind of knew Al was going to get traded from Philly. Um, we didn't know if OKC was going to be his final destination. Mm -hmm. Um, but as of right now, you know, um, I think whatever team Al is on, he's going to contribute something that a lot of people that like money can't buy. He's going to give you experience. He's going to give you mentorship. And especially mm-hmm. like if you were to talk to the young guys in Boston, you know, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they'll tell you, you know, Al was literally like we had a running joke that he was the team dad. Like he looked out for everyone. He told them, you know, how to survive in the NBA, how to spend your money, how to, um, how to be, you know, uh, how to take care of your body, how to eat, how to, he's just, he's the ultimate like mentor team dad. Um, he's a huge asset. So I think that, you know, most teams would be really excited to, to have a a seasoned vet like that. Um, become like a major, a major piece of their team and stuff. So I think he's going to thrive, you know, wherever he is. It just, I think the environment in Philly was just very toxic. For sure. For sure. And it's kind of funny to hear you describe your brother that way. Cause I mean, obviously we don't know him, but I like <laughs> understand like that. I feel like I get that vibe from him. He is like the way. least problematic person in the <laughs> NBA. And I know that sounds so biased, but if you ask reporters or coaches or GMs, They'll say the same thing. Like Al doesn't party. He doesn't drink. He doesn't go to the club. He like goes home to his soon to be four children and his wife. And like, that's like the highlight of his life. Like he's such a nerd. He like literally just gets his job done and goes home. And like, that's it. Like if anyone's problematic in the family, it's obviously me, but like (laughs) he's just, He's super chill and like so it felt very unfair to me all the backlash and hate he was getting because it's like 
he he literally didn't do anything, <laughs> you know, to you guys. Like, and you're like telling him to go kill himself. Like, and that's why, you know, that's that messes players up. Like, not necessarily Al, but like people like KD and and other guys who pay attention to social media. You have to be so careful because, you know, those same people who are who are tweeting like go kill yourself, we hate you, will also be like. RIP, we miss you if something were to ever happen to them, you know? So you have to be really careful about what you say and, and what you put out there. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, if, I mean, yeah, it's just how it is. I mean, look at LeBron and Cleveland, that entire situation. I mean, they took him back yeah. in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So, okay, so I have a question. And I know, obviously, you're probably gonna be a little biased here. So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna eliminate Al from the question. <laughs> who is your who is your favorite player in the NBA? That's a really tough question. Um right now, I would say probably probably Jason Tatum. Okay. Fair. Because he is I mean, he's going to be a superstar. He's well on his way to becoming, you know, the next superstar. But to just kind of watch his growth, I think has been really awesome and amazing. Um, he's so natural at what he does and he's only going to get better with time. So, um, I think he's really great. I think Steph Curry, he is obnoxiously good at what he does to the point where it pisses me off (laughs) when we play him. And every time he releases the ball, I'm like, it's going in and like, it, you know, like you just, you count it. Um, so people like that who are just like irritatingly amazing at what they do. I, I just always like, I respect, I respect the hell out of that. So, so yeah, I think, I think probably those two, those two right now. Okay. 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 Uh, question that we've been asking all our guests, um, where do you stand on the goat debate? Bron or MJ? Oh Oh, God. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This is take another shot. (laughs) (laughs) I know I don't know okay honestly it's so hard to say just because the eras were so different like when my dad was in the NBA he was like one time I punched this guy so hard that his jaw like went the you know the complete opposite (laughs) way and I was just like and then he's like and then my teammate paid my fine and like that's how we played back then. We just beat the shit out of each other. So, like, I can't imagine LeBron being in that type of mm-hmm. environment. You know, like, like with the Detroit bad boys beating up on him and, like, mm-hmm. going up against Bird and Magic and stuff. It's so hard to, to think about how he would handle that environment. Um, but LeBron... I have to admit, I, I mean, I think he's the best current NBA player, no doubt. Um, like it's just, it's not even a competition. The guy is a superhuman. Um, and you know, I've, I've had my like struggles with like LeBron fans in the past, just because they're so annoying and obnoxious. And like, (laughs) honestly, like he really is, he is like the greatest he's the, he's, the greatest right now so so i think that's that's what i'll say about that <laughs> got you got you i second that i second that notion so much yes Bron <laughs> fan, Bron fans golly interesting i don't, i don't know if you answered the question but we're gonna rock <laughs> <laughs> that see that was my like that was like my political way of like answering <laughs> but not answering the question basically like 
what the presidents do at like a or presidential candidate. So you running for Congress? Debate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, we're, we're out of time, but we'll keep moving. Um, no. um, so obviously, you know, the WNBA, great league, great talent. How do we get everyone else to see that? How do we fix it? <laughs> How do we fix the WNBA? I mean, mm-hmm. is there a marketing problem? Is there what, what, what do we do? I mean, I think that you could definitely up the marketing strategy for the WNBA, number one. Number two, I think something that would really help would be for, and I know this might sound weird, but for NBA players to be more vocal and supportive of the WNBA because just like how guys who had daughters saw like Kobe being so proud of being a girl dad, like when you see your idol idolizing women for being fantastic at like the same sport that they play, it can change someone's entire perception. And I don't know if you guys watch Broad City. It was like a show. Oh, no, no. I saw the trailer for it and I never got around to it. Okay. Okay. First of all, it's hilarious. But second of all, Blake Griffin is in one of the episodes and they're talking about the WNBA. And he's like, honestly, they're so much better than we are. He's like, I still moves from them all the time. They're (laughs) like, they're so brilliant. Like, I just wish I could be them. And like the fact that he's like, you know, even though it's a show, like, just highlighting like the WNBA and that culture. I think that like having allies like that is so crucial to progress and to like bringing the NBA to a whole new like stage. But every NBA player that we've spoken to or ex NBA player has, has said that like we, we had Craig Smith on and he was like, yeah, my mom taught me how to shoot. Like, you know, she was amazing, et cetera, et cetera. We had Terrence Ross on. He was like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, like they've all said that. Yeah, women are dope. Players acknowledge it, but how do we get like the fans? You know. So okay, so hear me out here. I think um, she, I, I'm with I'm with you on this path, Anna. I understand exactly what I think what you're trying to say. It's the integration of the WNBA into pop culture is what is going mm-hmm. to change the ball game. Uh, okay. How that happens, I don't know, but that Blake Griffin example is a good starting point. Like. It's just like well, the NBA is it's culture, like you know, Jordan and like it's it's in our everyday world. If you're a sports fan, you understand the sports culture and the NBA is a part of that. The WNBA, however, is not. And so it's how do we figure out how to make it fit with the other like I mean, like maybe maybe it comes down to a rapper wearing a WNBA jersey. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But there has to be a way for us to integrate it into the actual pop culture verbiage of like how we see sports in general. Exactly. That we happens, need to normalize it. Yeah. Exactly. Does, yeah, the, does, does the NCAA have a hold on that though? Because there's no, I feel like there's no brand transition. So like Sabrina Anescu, incredible. Everybody was watching, crazy, crazy, phenomenal player. Mm-hmm. Gets to the WNBA, you know, there's a drop off. Not from her. I just mean from people following her to the WNBA. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that's all with like the WNBA just needing to step up as far as marketing promotions, getting the NBA involved and like just across all platforms, just amplifying the fact that like these women are amazing at what they do and it is entertaining. Um, And, you know, 
the funniest thing is like when guys think that they could like be an NBA or a WNBA <laughs> player. I'm yeah. like, do you want your ankles to get broken? Like, do you know who you're even speaking <laughs> to? Like, put some respect on their names. Like, you know, yeah, basically the Bell. only difference, <laughs> the difference between, yeah, the difference between men and women is body mass and like height for the most part. Like, otherwise, you know, the skills are very comparable. So like, be careful who you're speaking to. Respect women, respect their craft. Exactly. Bottom line. I've actually learned most of my fundamentals from women. Getting my behind kicked. Love it. In the middle of the gym by, by <laughs> a girl. Shout out. I can't think, remember her name right now, but she played D1 at USF. She was a freaking beast. And I was getting demolished. I was like, yeah. Wow. Okay. But I think, <laughs> yep. And I think that those lessons are, it's quality lessons that most people need to understand. Like, I, I, I always have this thing too, where a lot of guys don't understand uh, if someone is a professional athlete. To me, that word pro comes with a certain level of respect for the craft that they do. Uh, no mm-hmm. matter on whatever level you you like the sport, like I mean, I, I love basketball. I've played a lot of basketball in my life, but I've met a lot of pro basketball players, and I know what a pro look like. And you respect the crowd because you understand how hard it is to do what he's doing. I don't care if you're a pro in Finland; like he's walking mm-hmm. in the gym putting up sixty. Like it's oh, it's, it's yeah. what it is. Hell like, yeah. Hell it's, yeah. It's, it's the same side, the same side of the other coin with with women. Like if she's a professional or she's playing D one, like bro, if you're not in the gym, she's going to smack you, bro. Like, <laughs> it's, it's but. People don't understand, like, because everybody's on TV, just watching it, you know, and tweeting out, oh, she's, yeah, she ain't gonna cross me up. All right. Okay. Casual <laughs> fan. Anna knows about those casual yeah. fans. You yeah. Know, you know. Yeah. They're the loudest. <laughs> That's it. All right. Well, we're, we're going to close it up. Just a couple of uh, uh, quick ones. Uh, favorite football team. Do you have a favorite football team? Do you watch the NFL? I hate football. We are not <laughs> a football family. No, Football is not. <laughs> It is not something I understand nor like. It takes too long and you're outside <laughs> and they just like, they look like they just smell so bad. They just, they probably do. Also, they probably like, do. And also, like, the NFL as an organization is just really hard to respect, especially after like blackballing cap and everything. Like, I just, I have no respect for organizations like mm-hmm. that. So I don't really give football the time of day. I respect that. I respect that a lot. Cause I low key feel the same way, but it's it's too deep. It's ingrained. <laughs> yeah, I know. We we too deep. We started our fantasy yeah. lineups. It's what's. <laughs> yeah. But um, okay, good. Good baseball though. Baseball? No. Um, I mean, I know I'm Dominican, so it's like illegal to say I don't like baseball. Yeah, watch out. Not here. That. It's not illegal. Not here. It's not illegal. <laughs> I don't really watch baseball. Um, you know, uh, yeah, no, not not We're really. We're not baseball no, people. No baseball. Can't do it. Too slow. Yeah. Yeah. Although Cliff saw the World Series. Okay, I watched a little bit. Of it. it was kind of it was the last couple. Minutes. Yeah, the closest I get to baseball is David Ortiz as like a good family friend. Um, hey, yeah. But that's that's about it. Hey, <laughs> hey that, that that's a lot closer than most of us had to baseball. So. So, I got I got one more question for it too. Um, so you're Dominican, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. What is or how do you feel representation is in sports with that? Is is Al the only Dominican NBA player right now? Um, no, there are a couple. There's a couple. Um, okay. and, and of course, like, I can't obviously think of any. No, no, um, I didn't mean to put you on the spot like that, but I just. No, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, over the years, there, there have been, um, a handful. My, our dad is, was actually the first ever Dominican born NBA player in history. Okay. So our dad was the very first, um, 
and yeah, there, there have been a lot since and, and, you know, Dominican athletes all look out for one another, David Ortiz and Al obviously bonded in Boston and they knew each other before that just because of like our dad and everything. But, um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, everyone, everyone looks out for one another and, and has each other's back. So, so that's pretty cool. That's dope. I, well, you know, honestly, I don't even want to get into this because it's like it would be a whole another like 30, 40 minutes anyway. But I feel like <laughs> <laughs> like my, my wife is Puerto Rican. So like uh, we saw like J.J. Barea playing. I was like, yo, J.J., that's, you know, he's he's, you know, he's from where mm-hmm. you were from, you know. But I feel like uh, <laughs> I feel like the NBA, like as much as society does, like they l- lump everybody together, like in this Latin X category, yeah, like whatever they want to do. do. Yeah. So it's like, oh, Pow and JJ and Al, like they're mm-hmm. all from the, you know, like it's like. <laughs> and Carmelo and like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah and like, everyone's uh, like, and they're all like, we're from different countries. Like, this <laughs> right, isn't even exactly. the same. But, but yeah, I mean, as going to Boston and like Al being in, like when he went to New York, you know, you always see Dominican flags in the, in the stands. Um, which was always really cool because they have like some um, decent Dominican populations and stuff. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, there's always there's always support and and people repping. So that's that's always cool. That's what's up. All right. Well, I think that that's all we have for you today. We want to thank you uh, for being on with us, Miss um, Anna Horford of the Horford Happy Hour. And when when is uh, when when do you have new episodes? Yeah. So the um, the newest episode is actually going to be out tomorrow um so or this week depending on you know when you're listening to this um and then i have two more episodes in the taboo topic series that are going to be coming out um in the next two weeks and then i'm taking a little break um and then i'll be back uh in a few months uh refreshed and and ready to go so so yeah awesome fantastic well Listen, guys, if you guys want some good conversation uh, and some good alcoholic beverage recommendations, I hear. I'm check a wine out guy, the- so I'm about to check that out. I'm all about the wine. <laughs> check out the Horford Happy Hour with Miss Anna Horford. So again, we want to thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you.